Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Franken Culture proudly presents to you its greatest podcast in the world. It's Clifford Red Dog Miller. It's Anthony Lu Lu Hong. This is Get the K.O. Let him know, Anthony. Say what's up. And if you ain't down for that, we got two words for you. Just listen. Fight me. <laughs> All right. What's going on, guys? This is Get the KO, as we have mentioned. Um, I am your host, Clifford Red Dog Miller. And as always, is Anthony Lu Luhan, who, you know, sometimes he's here, sometimes he's sick. It is what it is. Um, but we are missing Julie Jubaka. She may be joining us later in the program. Uh, we're not quite sure. She has kind of like a family thing going on, so we're just going to let her kind of be her. Uh, last night was UFC 236. Uh, top to bottom, I felt like the card was pretty solid. I mean, I didn't really have any huge quarrels with it. Uh, but we got to be honest, uh, the co-main event and the main event, if that does not make you want to have fight of the year contentions right now, just those two fights alone, you don't have a pulse. Um we're not going to really get, we'll get into that later into the program. Anthony, man, what did you feel about this fight card? Talk about him. I, I ultimately gave it an A. Not an A+, plus, but an A. I, I, I was about an A, a B plus, A minus until the last two fights. Like you said, if you ain't excited about those last two fights, if you can't count those two, two fights as, or have those two fights as fight of the year, you're living under a rock and you don't know what's going on because because Israel and Calvin and um between Max and Dustin are minds away. Oh yeah, they, they tore the house down. There's no doubt. Um but let's get let's just jump straight into this bottom part, right? Uh so our first fight of the night, man, was Brandon Davis versus Randy Costa. Uh Great, great matchups. Obviously, Brandon Davis being 10 and 5. Uh, he did get to win submission round uh, 2, 1 minute and 12 seconds. Uh, kind of key talk, talking points here. Um, Brandon Davis didn't have like the greatest accuracy when it came to like throwing, obviously, total strikes and significant strikes. Uh, he is at 43% and 39.8%, respectively. You know, uh, Randy was at 47 and 45. Uh, in the same category as well. What the big difference was, though, was the submission attempts. Um, Brandon Davis did have uh, a a great game plan, bringing fights to the ground. Uh, the man is just, he's just a beast. And I, I just, I loved uh, just the domination that he had in the second round. He took a fight down. He made sure that people uh, was, was paying attention to him. And he did a great job, man. So, that was a big win. Um, it was by rear naked choke, like I said, in the second round. So, big ups uh, to Brandon Davis. What did you think about the fight, Anthony? Or did you get a chance to check it out? It was the one one of the few fights I didn't get to watch. Um, as everybody knows, I do have two kids. Um, not, not, not that it's an excuse, but one is a two-year-old terror. So, in and out with that fight, <laughs> I definitely got to watch the next fight. It, it was I, I got to watch the, the submission, and I'm like, okay. Nope, these these might be some quick fights. Yeah, I felt like that too. I felt like I felt like the card kind of made you feel like the tempo was gonna get set and that there was gonna be obviously we we're gonna get a lot of like drawn out fights and I kind of feel like in the main card that's definitely what happened. Um, but it wasn't like the fights weren't entertaining. You know what I mean? Like it felt like the fight card went by pretty quick. Oh, definitely. So. Next up, we had uh, Lauren Mueller versus uh, Puliana uh, Botello. Uh, 
great fight went all decisions oh big big takeaway here uh poliana just drops bombs and she throws in like mass volume so all three rounds give you guys an idea um by the way we are getting our stats from ufc.com as well as google so it just kind of helps out um but uh poliana she definitely had total strikes 152 uh landed out of 202 thrown for a 75.5 uh or 75.2 percent uh uh percentage uh total strikes as well as her significant strikes was uh 47 of 84 so she was looking she was looking for the knockout the whole time like she was definitely had a great game plan of setting the tempo she just kept pushing uh and then ultimately the judges gave it 29 28 all three judges for uh poliana so it was a great, great tempo setter. It was a great win for her. So I'm definitely proud to see her uh, keep moving up in the in the ranks. Yeah, definitely. Um, it it was a it was a weird third round. We'll call it. I mean, Lauren Mueller, like she she stunned her with about a about a minute and a half left, and she put her to the ground. And we were just sitting there like, you gotta let her up. You you cannot put her take her. Get taken, let it uh, get put her in her clinch or her uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the word here, not the clinch, okay. Anyways, um, but no, so a minute and a half left, she dropped uh, Lauren Mueller drops a bomb, drops a bomb, knocks her down, and wants to tank wrestle with her instead of going for the uh, knockout. Like you're down to zero if your coaches, and it wasn't even close. If if your coaches are telling you that it that you might have won that round, might have won a round. And then you go into that third, you're getting dominated in that whole third. Why why drop bombs or, or why try to wrestle when you know you need a knockout or a submission? Right. And it's just like, it's just a fighter mentality. Obviously, we know like some fighters have that killer instinct. Some don't really know what to do. Uh, they train well. Let me, let me get it. Let me caveat that. A lot of, a lot of fighters will train and be ready for a fight, but there's those guys like the you know, like the John Jones's type that they just have this killer instinct that they know when a person goes down, how to finish them. And, uh, it's, it definitely showed in this fight that Mueller, as she got the knockdown, she was looking for something else other than to finish the fight. And that, you know, obviously cost her the victory. One of the things too, I forgot to mention is that this was a fight. Laura Mueller was a replacement fighter. Uh, Paige Van Zant was originally scheduled to be in this fight against uh Polian uh Poliana uh but uh due to fracturing her arm she could not compete in this fight so you know it was it was great that Lauren was able to step into this fight but I really would have loved to see Paige Van Zant in that in that octagon at the same time agreed so going up uh Montel Jackson versus Andrade uh yes yeah, so I'm gonna slaughter his last name too uh Sokohama Thong I don't know. It makes it sound like I have a stutter or like a lisp. Anyway, so, what? Sack Hammoth. Oh, good job. See, now you can could save me real. there, but no. Exactly. So, <laughs> so this was a uh, decision win by uh, Montel Jackson. Uh, big significant strikes here. Uh, one one sixty two eighteen to uh, Andre, who only threw forty one for seventy three. I was talking about this. Uh, two weeks ago actually with Julie that anytime you see a fighter land more strikes than a person attempted 
that's huge. Like, obviously, you see, like, a big hole in somebody's game. Um, the fight was scored 30-26, 30-27, 29-27, which means one of the judges saw that uh, they felt like Andre won a round, but I didn't think he won a round. I thought all three rounds would have gone to Montel. Uh, but, no, big ups. Um, big ups to Montel. It was definitely a huge win for him. He needed it. So continue to move on, uh, and we'll, I'm interested to see what's going to happen. Another big stat I want to talk about was the three takedowns that uh, Montel was able to score in this fight. Uh, I know Andre got one. He was one of one, but uh, it just shows that, you know, anytime that Montel wanted to take the fight to the ground, he was taking that fight to the ground. Definitely, and they were talking about that Andre was going to be the better striker, and Montel just showed him up. He showed up ready to fight, had a plan, and executed it. Yeah, it was great. It was a great fight. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it was a good, great game plan by Montel. He obviously knew what he wanted to get accomplished, and he got the job done. So big ups to that man. Uh, moving up, Cur- Curtis Millinder versus um, uh, Bella Muhammad. Uh, the, wasn't it just a couple – I feel like this was like four weeks ago we just watched Millinder fight. Was it four weeks ago? Even like they might have been as recent as three weeks ago that he fought. He didn't. He didn't look good. Um, Millinder. Yeah. Millinder fought his last fight was. It was uh, more. Yeah, about four weeks ago, March. In March, he lost to somebody via rear naked choke in the first. So he had a quick turnaround, but the problem was is that you kind of fed him to Muhammad, and Muhammad, man, 126 uh, landed at a 217 thrown. Uh, significant strikes was 47 of 107. Takedowns was two to six, uh, two of six. Massive, massive uh, movement. So you could tell that Muhammad was really, really ready for this game plan. Where Millinder, man, I don't know if he was still shy out because of the, the last fight that he had in uh, in March, but he he didn't look good in this fight. I'm just gonna be honest. Every time I looked around, I was watching the fight. I felt like he was just kind of like laying against the cage, just hoping something was gonna bounce his way, but. Muhammad was such a dominant uh, fighter in this fight. It just it was never going to happen for Millinder. And I, I, I question where Millinder's head's at because I just feel like he's not there right now. Well, well here's, here's a lot of the things. Is like, like you said, it, it was one of those where you land more than you, the other person throws. But Curtis Millinder has power. And it showed in the first round. And then uh, Bilal... Bilal was able to figure out that he didn't want to get hit, so he didn't want to keep in that range. So he got close the whole fight. He was really close, and he uh, he made the fight a little bit more personal by getting in his face with a little bit of uh, with how many shots he, he threw. He threw two hundred seventeen. He landed one one twenty six, but he took he also took him down two of six. Right. No, definitely um, great points made, man. And a fight was scored. Uh, 29, 27, 29, 27, 30, 26. You know, obviously all to unanimous decision to uh, Muhammad. The next fight, man, like, <laughs> yeah, I don't even want to say this was controversial. This was, like, legitimately, I this was a legitimate win. Uh, Khalid uh, Taha versus Boston Salman uh, ended first round, 25 seconds, TKO punches. Khalid... With the nastiest left hook, uh, drops Boston to the uh, to the ground. Boston just kept getting punished. Um, I know Boston tried to say that he was still awake, like he was still up, 
um, I was like, dude, like your arm went limp. Even if it was for like a, a second, your arm went limp completely and God would have known what happens after that. But I felt like it was a great stoppage, um, you know, and big shout outs. But sorry for, you know, for Boston. He just, it didn't, it didn't work out for him. And Khalid definitely looked really good in this fight. Yep, definitely. I mean, I feel, I feel for him. I feel like, I feel like it's not the way you want to go in, have a near debut. With a 25-second knockout. But it happened. I mean, now you can just pick up and uh, go on. Yeah. There's not, there's not really much to break down in that fight, man. Five five punches is all it took. <laughs> so, five punches and 25 seconds later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. About a punch every five seconds is what, what, what that equivalated to. Um, we're going to move up. Max Griffin versus uh, Zaleem uh, Imadov. Uh, this was a fun fight. Uh, Max Griffin did get the win, decision, uh, big thing for him. It was uh, 29-27, 29-27, and then 28-28, which some, one, the last ref had discorded a 10-8 round somewhere in that, in that well, two 10-8 rounds in that, in that fight. So it was a great, it, it tells you what, what happened, right? Uh, 72 of 129, 59.5%. That's for Max Griffin. That's his total strikes. Uh, and as Zaleem as well is 78 out of 165, uh, 47.3. Biggest part here though, Max Griffin attempted 11 takedowns, got six of them, 54.5%. Uh, uh, Zaleem shot a takedown, it was uh, didn't didn't really get it, zero of one. Uh, but Max was attempting everything under the sun. That dude had three submission attempts. Uh, it he just he looked good in this fight and. You could tell he was really working because he he showed off that he's a well-rounded MMA fighter and going towards the future, maybe somebody that people want to pay attention to. Yeah, definitely, I agree with you with that. Um, Max, I, I I scored I scored this twenty nine twenty eight. Um, Max did toward the end of each round. It looked like he just it looked like he that first in that first round where he where he had them he was wrestling him. And he just wasted all his gas tank in and he just tried to coast. He did enough in that third round to capture that third round. Right. Yeah. And that's just something we'll, we'll get into that. Cause we'll talk. There's another fight that I kind of felt the same exact way that guys were just emptying their gas tank and just trying to like coast off onto the win. Um, but yeah, we'll dive, we'll dive a little bit more with that. Uh, moving up, man, this, this was another quick fight. Uh, Wilson Reese uh, versus Alexander uh, Pantoja. Pantoja. Um, but it was a great win by Alexandre. Uh, KO, first round, 258. Uh, big stat here, man. It was just <laughs> the bomb that got dropped by Alexandre to Wilson was phenomenal. And Wilson had so much respect for him once like, the fight was over because he got up and he was just like, yeah, you got me. <laughs> they were just sitting there like, yeah, yeah, that happened. Uh, 26 of 36. Uh, total strikes, significant strikes was 23 of 33. Uh, and just one knockdown. Uh, Wilson definitely tried to score his uh, takedown. Uh, he got one, so it was one out of four. But, man, Alexandre, is he's got nasty power, man. It just, he's hes going to be that guy that we're going to start talking about here soon. Uh, looking, you know, for a belt. Fast is what I call him. Fast when he when he was going back and he connected with that shot that dropped Wilson, he got on top of him and he 
he threw. He probably threw, I think, like 20 of those shots within like 26 shots within like, I don't know, 10 seconds. That dude's arms are quick and he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. I'm, 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 I'm going to be excited to see him versus hopefully Henry uh, Suheto when, when he gets his title shot because that guy is going to be money down the road. Oh, yeah. I have to agree. He just he looked dangerous in that fight, and I was like, dang. And Wilson Reese, by all means, he's not a pushover himself. Like, he's a he's a guy, he's 23 and 10 now, but going into that fight, he's 23 and 9. He's ready to, like, he's ready to fight. He had great fights going into it. I was just amazed at how quick this fight, like, ended. Um, jump up, right? Jalen Turner versus Matt Frivola. Uh... If you were strictly looking at stats, you would have thought Jalen won this fight. Uh, but Matt was the more consistent and more consistent striker in the sense that he was able to uh, not just be, not just throw in volume, but accurate and landing. Um, he, so Jalen was 42 of 124 for 33.9%. Where and his uh, significant strikes was thirty five one sixteen for thirty, but if you looked at Matt, Matt was a uh, forty nine of forty nine of ninety five for fifty one percent, and then his significant strikes was thirty one of seventy seven for forty, um, and then his takedowns, man, four for thirteen and two submission attempts. So it's not like Matt was just being a pushover, man. He was actually moving and going and looking, and he was driving. So you know, it was a big ups to Matt. Um, they did score a fight. I think it was thirty. 30-27, all three judges towards Matt. So big, big wins. I definitely had to give a lot of props and, you know, can't wait to see what he does in the future. And it's a, this is no takeaway from uh, Jalen Turner either. Jalen Turner came off the Contender Series just the hype name. That's why he was the big name on the main, the main, the main event on the prelim card. Um, and he, you could tell. You could tell definitely. You could tell that Jalen wanted to strike and when he couldn't strike because Matt got him down and then he wouldn't give up. It, it, Jalen did not want to get up, give up. Uh, he, he had a rear naked choke on him. He sh- shook him off. He had both heels sucking. He was trying to ground. He was trying to, he was trying to flatten him out, flatten him out. And it, he wasn't having it. Um, so big shout outs to, to Matt uh, for getting that win, but definitely Jalen to keep your head up because you're going to be going places, but you're tall. You got the reach. Now you just need to work on a little bit of takedown defense and you'll be fine. Yep. I 100% agree with that assessment, man. He was a, he's a battler. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind about that. I cannot wait to see what he does going forward in a, in the future. So by the caveat, by the caveat to start with a need to follow. So, a lot of you guys who don't know, uh, definitely check out Jalen and just keep an eye on him. Now, since we got like the prelims and the early early prelims out of the way, we're gonna dive a little bit more into these cards, into the to the main event, right? This is what everybody was like waiting to listen to. Here, here we go. Um, OSP versus uh, Nikita uh, Krivlov. The last time these guys fought, uh, OSP did get the submission. He did score. It. He did win. Um, Getting into this fight, right? Uh, it was I don't I don't really know I didn't really know what to expect, right? I didn't know if OSP had it in him to grab another victory, especially over Nikita, even though he had already beaten him once. Uh, but it's very hard to submit a guy twice, especially if you're a submission specialist. 
And that's what we saw here. Um, going into the fight, total strikes landed. OSP was 8 of 12. Um, significant strikes was 4 of 8. Takedowns, he was 3 of 8. No submission attempts, which was massive. Uh, but Nick, uh, Nick, Nikita, uh, 60 of 79, 27 of 44. One of, one of two takedowns and two submission attempts, which one of those ended up being uh, a rear naked choke in the second round with like 2.30 left in the fight. Um, he did get it sunk in, and my God, man, it was tight. And you knew it was tight because OSP was snorting, and you could hear that he was struggling for air, and he had no choice but to tap. It was tap or go to sleep. I mean, just as, just as simple as that. So what did, what was your assessment of the fight, Anthony? First off, going into this fight, I did not know what we were going to see. Um, you, uh, Nikita, look, going walking out to the ring, he looked like he had some confidence. OSP looked like he normally does, getting this ready for his fight. The thing is, is OSP lost three in a row. He lost to John Jones, Jimmy Manoa, and Vulcan Ozdemir. Then he won three in a row. To uh, Marcos, Riguero, De Lima, uh, Yushin, Okami, and Corey Anderson. And then he lost two of three going into into, into last night. He was he, he lost to Ayler Latifi by a guillotine choke. He beat, uh, he submitted Tyson Pedro with an armbar. And then he uh, lost to Dominic Reyes by a decision, an unanimous decision. Going to this one, I'm like, uh, this depends because over the past, I don't know, Two years that that we've been we've been watching him since up uh, three years since we've been watching him since we watched him versus John Jones. Um, he hasn't been the same that he was prior to the John Jones fight. Uh, so it just depended on who what what OSP came out and he took him down the first time and he was going to attempt something and then he got out and then it was just over for him. Nikita got the revenge, uh, the revenge for the loss he had early in his career. Now it's just going to set up for a, th- a third fight, and hopefully OSP is smarter not to go for a a submission than just to throw some punches. You got to show you have a uh, footwork, or you're going to get tapped out again by this dude. Yeah, but it's it's wild because I feel like OSP, like he's he can. He can look for knockouts, and he's he's shown ca- showcased like he's got some great like footwork as well as uh, you know some good hands. But like his game predominantly is a ground game. But when you go against another guy who is a better submission artist than you are, then you do have to kind of change your style up. But I just feel like he went into this fight maybe semi semi ready for the fight. I don't I don't know only because. Every time I looked around, like, one, he didn't look good in the fight. He just kind of looked kind of like maybe a little, he was a lot sluggish. He was way sluggish for this fight. And obviously Nikita wanted to get his, his, he wanted his W. He wanted to avenge the loss, which he did by all means. It was amazing to watch him do his thing. But it was just, to me, OSP just, he has a lot to go. He has a lot to learn still, even though, like, He's been in the fight game forever, but it's like he's not improving on his hands. He's just steadily like always looking for that one bomb that he can throw and hope that lands. But he doesn't 
he's so streaky, and I think that's the biggest problem I have with him is that, dude, like, you're going to end up fighting Nikita again. It'll probably be sometime next year, and you should be ready because you guys, you guys, theoretically, you should know him because you fought twice already, and you do a lot of research on him. I know they watch a lot of videos over uh, Nikita, but it just, it's weird, man. I just feel like OSP just, he doesn't really care. You know what I mean? I definitely got that same vibe. So we're going to move up, right, to the, I don't want, I want to call it the controversial fight. I don't know. I don't really know how I feel about saying about that. Um, Dwight Grant versus uh, Alan uh, Joban. So great fight. Uh, went all three rounds. Uh, so total strikes, 39 of 123 for 31% from Dwight. Uh, 38 of 122 for 31.1. Where on the other side, Allen was 25 of 101 and 24 of 100. But he did score uh, one takedown out of two attempts. Um, the fight card was scored uh, split decision, 29-28, uh, 27-30, and 29-28. Which means that one judge had to see that fight, that Allen won all three rounds. And I didn't feel like Allen won all three rounds, just judging the fight on myself. Um, I felt like Dwight set a good pace. Uh, he did lose the second round. I definitely felt that was one thing. Um, but he, like, I just felt like he, and this is, this goes to that, what we were going to talk about, uh, what we talked about earlier. Uh, he was gassing out all the time in this fight. Like, granted, he had a good tank on him, but just felt like he was trying to dump everything as much as possible and he just he wasn't getting the job done. You know what I mean? Definitely, it was one of those that I felt like Dwight, Dwight controlled it. Dwight could hit him when he wanted to hit him. When Ellen was throwing things, I mean, the percentages looked look perfect to this matchup to how that fight was. He threw, 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 miss, 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 connected on one. Where, where Dwight pinpointed when he was actually going to throw. And I, I scored the contest 29-28, uh, Dwight Grant with that win. I no idea what that thirty twenty seven was. Yeah, there's I think that's just one judge like sitting back and going, you know what, I really liked I liked the way that Alan did his thing. Uh, I'm just gonna go with that. Um yeah, I definitely didn't feel like Alan had the same I I didn't feel like Alan won all three rounds. I could have given him one. I definitely felt like that was justifiable, but like thirty twenty seven was ridiculous, man. I was like I just couldn't I couldn't vibe with it. So it was what it was. Um, moving up, right? I think this is going to be something we're going to talk about for a long time. Uh, Khalil Roundtree versus Eric Anders. Um, I'm. It went all three rounds. I really don't think it should have. Uh, and we're going to talk about this. Khalil Roundtree fight Eric Anders. Um, Eric Anders was the linebacker uh, from Alabama. So if some of you guys don't know, he is a, he was a football player. Uh, did play under Nick Saban. Um, so total strikes, he was uh, 19 of 72. Uh, significant strikes was 16 of 69. Uh, zero for one on his takedowns. Here's where things were crazy. Khalil Roundtree had four knockdowns. Total strikes was 83 of 162. Significant strikes was 79 of 157. And no, no takedown attempts. Khalil Roundtree, I feel like, understood that he was the better fighter in this fight. And I think that's what pissed me off about him. 
because the judges scored this 30-26, 30-26, 30-26, obviously all towards Roundtree. My biggest problem with the fucking fight was that if Roundtree was able to knock down Anders at any given time, why not finish the fight? I just feel like watching Roundtree and Anders fight was like watching Michael Jackson versus CM Punk, where like Michael Jackson understood that he was going to be the better fighter. And he went out there and just was classless in his win. Which is exactly what I felt like happened with Roundtree. Roundtree chewing up the leg um, of Anders by all means. He looked incredible doing it. Uh, But it was like, you know, Joe Rogan was like, this is the best I've ever seen Roundtree look. I was like, well, yeah, but he's going against a fighter who's, he's a football player. He's not a true fighter. He, um... I granted he's he's good. I do give Anders his his props, but he's not a true fighter. And being in the in the game, he only won against Tim Williams. He got stopped against Thiago Santos. He lost in split decision to Elias, and then he lost in decision. Which by all means, Roundtree should have finished the fight when the fight went to the ground. And I don't want to be down on I don't want to be down on Anders by any means. It's just. It's so significant of how much of a difference in a fight game that there is. And Roundtree just refusing to finish the fight just pissed me off. Oh, I'm going to I'm going to disagree with you. You know what? You know what pissed me off? And if you're and if people were listening to the fight last night, what pissed me off was Eric Anders corner not calling the fight after getting knocked down four times in the second round. The reason why Khalil Roundtree doesn't didn't want to get. Get, get put on the ground because his ground game sucks. He went to he went over the seas to Thailand to train with the clinch and he felt good about it. But Eric Anders is a decent wrestler too, and I I feel like I feel I felt that if if Khalil gets in the clinch, it's just going to be a, or gets knocks uh, him down and gets into his guard. It's just going to be a guard game. That's all it's going to be because Khalil still needs work with that. I definitely think that I'm I'm going to be honest here too. I didn't watch the first round. I fell asleep and I woke up. <laughs> that happens. I'm old. Um, and, I, and I woke up for the second round just to watch him get knocked down four times in one round. At that point, save your fighter. Save your fighter and call it. Just say, fight another day. You're, you've lost it. You've, you've completely lost this fight. But no, they fucking get in. They fucking, they fucking let him get out there to get hit more times in the head. That's how you get in the concussion protocol. That's how you, in, that's how you lose years off your life because of their coaches. Because of their training staff, that dude should have been out of that fight at the end of the second round. They called it. Look at Anthony Pettis versus uh, Tony Ferguson. Anthony Pettis broke his hand. Said, I'm not fighting a third. I, I, I'll fight a third if you want me to. And they're like, no, we'll, we'll save you. We'll save your hand because you're, we know you're going to throw. And it comes back to this. They know that he's going to get hit in the head again. And they know the power of Khalil Rantry. Why not just call it and be done? Yeah, it's like... It's like they they're putting so much faith in Eric because he does have a lot of knockout wins. He's got seven of them, um, including a head kick uh, in a on a Justin Gaethje uh, fight card. Um, but it's like, yo, at some point though, you do have to save your fighter. Your fighter's getting punished. He's being outclassed, and you you can't. He's not able to perform the way he usually is. And that's what I'm saying. Though, is like. Even though Roundtree's ground game, ground game sucks, um, there was a point where he hit Eric. Eric went down, and like you could tell, 
Like, I could see it on a TV, and we were at a bad camera angle. The lights were on, and nobody was home. And at that point, you know, he could have jumped. He could Roundtree could have jumped. Roundtree could have, you know, finished the fight. But instead, he's like, no, nah, I'm just going to stand back here. I'm going to let him get stood up, and then I'm going to go out there and do it again. But, yeah, big, yo, I don't have no idea what the fuck Anders Corner was doing. By all means, it was fucking some trash. Like, they should have sat back. They should have told him, like, look, dude, you're not winning this fight. Okay, you're down 2-1 to one, unless you can score a big knockout. And maybe maybe Spartan Fitness um, really advocates for, like, hey, no, finish the fight. But you do have to save your fighter at some point in time, especially when they're getting just crushed. They have to, you have to stop that fight and just say, hey, we'll try this again next time. And uh, I was upset at this at these guys yeah, it, it was it was trash i i was like after that just sitting there even like joe rogan and dc said call a fight this be done and i'm like dude they have to call this this is ugly and and i'm, I'm gonna back i'm gonna go back to what i said with, with khalil I, I don't blame him for not wanting to go to the ground game if my ground game isn't good i'm not gonna go to it and get and get put into a, a possible submission or a possible reversal, and now I'm on bottom trying to guard for my for, for the win. I, I I don't blame him. It, it it's 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 like a free throw thing. Like I'm gonna go to basketball. It's like a free throw thing. If you stand if 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 you stand slightly with your with your right foot up and up to the free throw line, and your left foot back, and you're making them, and you switch it up to where both you're square with the hoop, and you're not making them. I'm gonna go back to how I'm making them, and that's that's how I felt like Khalil was doing. I I, th- I felt like he he knew that if he goes to the great guard game, he's gonna be done. So why not call get him back up and try to get a knockout? Yeah, I mean I can see that point. It's definitely a good assessment. So I would have to have to lean on that side and say, I mean, in that in that aspect, yes, I would agree. But at some point, the fight is gonna go to the ground. And I think that if you ha- have knocked down a fighter four times, you probably could finish him on the ground. But I mean. And I do have to say, like, it is smart by Khalil because he does understand. And it, we've talked about this numerous times, right? Um, Sean O'Malley, the Sean O'Malley fight is definitely one that I think about where he broke his foot. He couldn't even stand up. And uh, he, like, you know what I mean? Like, the guy went to the ground with him. And we all sat back and we criticized that guy. We were like, why would you go down with Sean O'Malley if you know he has a broken foot? Make him stand on it, and you know we're we're being ruthless. And here I am, you know, kind of caveat the same thing. So I guess I have to be more fair on it. Like I do understand your point that I just feel like Kilo probably he had heavy heavy hands. He probably could have finished that fight. And uh, I just I I feel I feel bad for Eric because his corner sucks. It just it's trash. <laughs> I agree, I agree with with that last part of that statement is that his corner sucks. Even the referee should have say, said something. You know what? I, I, I almost at this point, like like with rounds like this, I wish that UFC would have the same rules as boxing. If you're gonna get hit, knocked down three times in a round, you're done. Yeah. I can see that. I would I would have thought the doctor would have came in between the second and third round and just said, Hey man, look, you just got dropped four times. We can't have this. You you're done, and then call the fight. Blame it on the blame it on the doc then. You know what I mean? Unless like Doc went in there and was like, "Hey, what's your name?" He's like, "Eric." All right, where are you? 
any arena, like, <laughs> you know, ask blunt-ass questions. It's just, I don't know. I really, like, Eric really needs to kind of sit back and think, is Spartan Fitness the best gym for him? Or is it time for him to kind of, like, migrate to another gym and start training there? Because this was awful. And his corner did not do him a good service. And I I get that you want to be loyal because it's in Alabama and blah, 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 blah. But, man, I just I wish the best for your career. But it may be time to change things up and go somewhere else. I heard Definitely agree with you. Greg Jackson's gym would be a perfect example for you, man. Even though it's light heavyweight and you'd be training with John Jones, I just think that would be better for you. <laughs> just go somewhere new. Do something else. Um, but enough with the bad news. Let's let's stop beating that dead horse. Um, shout out to PETA. Come at me. Um, let's let's jump into the co-main event, right? Kelvin Gaslam, Israel Adesanya. Can we can we be honest, man? Um, if we want, we're going to talk about this, right? Uh, Kelvin Gass- Gaslam, uh, no knockdowns, 92 of 222, 91 of 220 for significant strikes, one of nine for his takedowns. And I'm going to say that one takedown he did take, man. I don't. He had no control in that takedown. He got the takedown. Um, Israel was able to get back up relatively quick for a guy who usually doesn't wrestle. Um, Israel Adesanya, four knockdowns, uh, total strikes, 119 of 247, significant strikes, 109 to 237, uh, no takedowns, but he did have two su- two submission attempts. So, let's dive into this fight, man, because the first round... Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, the first round was just straight bombs, and I swore Kelvin was going to take this fight in the first round because he was just, Israel was on the ropes. He was just running like from one side of the cage to the other to try to get away and get his air like back into his system. Um, but yo, I have to give it to Kelvin in this, this, this round, man. Cause he was just so nasty with his aggression in it. I, I, I did not, I just, here's the thing. I did not think that, uh, that, Calvin was gonna get get him like he did that quick, and it was just like, well, the first round he definitely goes to Kelvin, and it was like he might not even make it out of the first round, and then he, the first round ended. And I'm like, Calvin's feeling good, Calvin's feeling good, and the, and then and then this, and then let's dive into the second round, and what happens in the second round is is Israel's Israel picks up pace a little bit, hits him a couple times, Calvin hits him one big time and and rattles him again. Yep. And then what we saw was Israel again into the cage, run back out, go strike, run back into the cage, kind of try to keep his distance away. But he was landing a lot of strikes, which I have to say was was big and significant. So it was big, big props to Israel trying to set the tempo. I think in that fight, in that round two, I think we called it 2-0. I think I called it, I called it, it was 2-0. I called it 10-9, 10-9. Um, you had a ten eight though, right? When we were talking about that specific round. No, no, not no, 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 not this one. This one, Israel won that second round because I got. I thought they was going one one. Oh, that's right, that's right. We did because it was a it was the other fight that we had a that there was a possible ten eight. Right, right, right. 
Um, yeah, and then we got to the third round. Um, Israel looked like he was starting to pick up the tempo. The one thing I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this right off the jump, right? When Kevin Gaslam looks good in a fight, like being ready for a fight night, he performs very well. The one thing I did notice in this fight was that Kelvin Gaslam, as soon as he's walking to the octagon and he got into the cage, I told people, I, I said right off the bat, he looks like shit. And I don't know if that came into show later into the fight, um, but I definitely felt like a lot of his cardio got zapped out. And maybe it was a, a, the, a bunch of the body shots that he was taking, like the big kicks from Israel uh, to the body. But as you can see, like, Kelvin was, like, winding down. But he was still landing, which, you know, by all means, in the third round, we saw that. Like, he was still able to kind of land a couple big shots. Israel was pushing the tempo forward. Um, and then he started, Israel, like, slowly started taking over the fight. Um, but I gave that, I think I gave that round to Israel as well. If I because the fight was such a blur. <laughs> uh, I definitely think that... Uh, I thought Israel won that second or that third round as well. I had it as the, I, I had it as, as Kelvin first, Israel Israel Kelvin going into fourth. Um, definitely, and it, it was it was so hard to to even keep up with it because it was such a good fight. It I was with you. It was such a blur. I'm like, this is happening. This is happening. Oh, that's happening. That's happening. And I'm like, oh my god, is this fight still going? Yeah. And then getting into the fourth round, Kelvin Kelvin looked like he got a second wind. He looked like he was ready to go. Um, and then it looked like everything in his body, he was like, you know what? I'm going to dump all this into this fight. And that's what he went for. Um, I think he thought he was going to try to score the score the big KO in uh, the fourth round. Started pushing the tempo. Started throwing more bombs. Um, really had the good, he had the good takedown right towards the end of the fourth. Um, and I was like, yo, this is... This is where it's at. Like, this is what's going to happen. Um, this fight is starting to be more significant. But um, Israel just would not go away. <laughs> like, he just would not go away. And it was big ups to him for that, too. Yeah, definitely. I I, I was really impressed with the toughness of Israel uh, uh, as Andre. We, we, we've talked about this in previous podcasts that, that he didn't deserve a title shot because he hasn't really fought anybody in that division. Like he's beat up an, a 44 year old Anderson Silva and he's gotten past a, uh, a Derek Brunson who who's Derek Brunson and the Brad Tavares. And then he comes out and takes it just gets beat up. He's bleeding all over the place. He's, he looked like hell and he just continued to strike. So, I ate my words on that, and I'm, and I'm excited to see where this guy's going. What this guy can really do. Yo, God, that fifth round, man! Like Israel was just murdering Kelvin. Like I'm surprised the fight was not stopped. Israel came out, pushed the tempo, bloodied up Kelvin. Kelvin was still standing. I'm not gonna lie; he definitely kept pushing the tempo. It was great to see. Uh, judges actually scored this fight. Uh, 48-46, all three rounds towards Israel and new uh, interim middleweight champion, Israel Adesanya. So the last style bender. What I found interesting about this, right, was right before the fight, right, we're talking about like a day or two before the fight, um, they asked Israel about John Jones. 
And he said, well, I've already murdered one goat. Why not go for the other one? Which pissed off John Jones. And which John Jones replied by saying, hey, you know, I don't know who you think you murdered. You barely got by a 44-year-old Anderson Silva. He's like, there's only one John Jones. And so, you know, John Jones having his fight coming up soon. Um, it, it would be very interesting. It's something I very much would love to see. But Israel Adesanya versus uh, John Jones. Could we get that maybe November, December fight? Who knows? Um, I know as of this morning, we're talking about this uh, Sunday morning. Um, John Jones continues to attack Israel Adesanya and keep going after him and talking about how, you know, he he barely got he's a kickboxer who barely got by a wrestler, which Kelvin Gaslam had a lot of heart in that fight. I definitely have to say that. But it's very interesting to see that Israel um he did. He he barely got by Kelvin Gaslam. And we've talked about it and you've you've brought it up a couple times that Israel isn't ready for a top you know, those top fighters. Obviously he's a champion now. Um but where would you think that would you put him in that category where, hey, he can you know, he can not saying deserves, he can fight John Jones. Oh, yeah. Uh and here's the reason why. Uh, I don't want that fight. Um be out. Is, when is Mr. Whitaker gonna be back in the cage? That's our that's our big that's our that's our that's our biggest question is this. And on top of that, if it's gonna be another year, well, he did can have we emergency please run this surgery. fight? Yes. If he had emergency surgery on it because he had a bad bowel. Mm-hmm. But so if he's, he's gonna be out of a while, let's run this fight back. This fight was awesome. Calvin, you know what? And here's the thing with Calvin. And I was down on Calvin. I was down on Calvin when he got all the way through the, the ultimate fighter to the finale. And I thought Uriah Hall tanked it on purpose. To, to, to I felt Uriah Hall was like, well, I know I'm going to get a contract. Calvin, you're not going to get one, so I'm going to let you win. I'm going to let you take me down because I'm not going to strike with you. And Calvin took him down and got the win. And it was the ultimate fighter. And then Calvin just comes out of out of the blue. Just yada yada yada, and starts KOing people, and I'm like, this guy's a wrestler, not a not a not a knockout artist. Oh, I just Calvin, man, I became a fan of Calvin Gaslam, and I I have high hopes for him still. I don't don't take don't take this loss as a as a career ender because you fought your heart out. You literally were probably a minute away. From if you if you could have unloaded more more in that fifth, you might have that title rather than uh, Israel. Um, but I want that. I want this fight to be ran again. I mean, I wouldn't have a problem seeing this fight run back. I definitely would like it. I just feel like in a in an interest, right? Something that we never got. We always talked about was Anderson Silva in his prime versus John Jones, right? And we all talked about. John Jones was like, well, he's still like up and coming, like even though he's a champion, he hasn't really proven himself, blah, 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 but he was winning, and then like the toxic can, well, can John Jones beat Anderson Silva, so we were like, oh, well, I don't know, maybe, blah, 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 blah. and then obviously that fight never came to fruition, right, so now that we have this rare opportunity where we see Israel Adesanya coming up on the up, 
and we have John Jones, who is in his, well, I don't want to know, if, I'll say he's in his prime, in the midst of his prime. Why not run this fight when we have the opportunity to do it? Because we know in a couple of years, it's not going to be that way. We know in a year, it's not going to be, it may not be that way. So at this time, I would love to see that fight run because you can always run the Israel Adesanya, Kelvin Gaston fight back. It, next year, the year after, you can run that fight. I just feel like this is a rare opportunity where we can see two dudes who love to who love to strike strike and see what happens. And knowing that John Jones is a wrestler who is a phenomenal striker, and Israel Adesanya, who is a he is a he's a great striker himself. I would just love to see a striking match between those two and to see what would happen if you let them go at it. That would be a good fight. Here's the thing. Who who does John Jones got next? He is um uh, Santos. Yeah, Santos. Santos next. And then in in, in that and then while that happens, we're waiting on a few things in the heavyweight tag to happen. Yeah. We got we got uh the possibility of Brock. We got yeah, Daniel Cormier waiting to find out if he's going to fight Brock Lesnar or if he's going to fight uh, uh, Stipe, more likely Stipe. And then after those two fights, John Jones probably needs to go to heavyweight. John Jones got has got to go to heavyweight. John Jones has got to go to heavyweight and fight and fight DC for that title. If not, if D, if DC if the, if DC loses to say Stipe and Brock Lesnar comes back, John Jones got Brock got to go have got to have Brock Lesnar. Are two going to be two bigger fights before John Jones says, "All right, Israel, let's go." See, I think I'm on the other side where because we don't know if Brock Lesnar is coming back. Obviously, we know he lost the you and I. And I don't say everybody because people who don't watch WWE you don't. Um, we know that Brock Lesnar lost the title at WrestleMania last week. The biggest thing about it though is that John or that. This this was supposed to be opening up an opportunity for Brock Lesnar to sign a card to fight DC. But Dana has came out this week, earlier this week, and he said he doesn't think that fight's going to happen between DC and DC and Brock. So what we're seeing is possibly seeing Stipe get thrown back in the title picture against DC. And then probably the winner of that is probably going after John or calling out John Jones. But we probably won't even see that fight till March next year, maybe April time frame. So in that time, depending on what happens with the Santos fight, let's be real, John Jones should win that fight. So if he wins that fight, then we're going to talk about, all right, now John Jones doesn't have a fight. Israel doesn't have a fight until the November time frame. Why not let them take off and do their thing? And have a have a fight, have a great striking match. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I that light heavyweight division is so is so boring now. Like it doesn't take much for you to to get get a title fight. Look at Anthony Smith. Look at Vulcan Ozdemir. Yeah, I mean Gustafsson has been doing doing damage for five years, six years in, in Octagon. So I could see why he got his title fight. But you just you just got to put it. You just got to put in like a five fight win streak, and you're entitled. You're you're gonna tattle shop pretty much. So that 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 and to, to be honest, I don't know anybody that's gonna take that belt really from from John Jones. I mean, the best that we've seen happen was Gustafsson and Jones won. 
Right. And that Austin was Jones too. Yep. And let's not forget that John Jones admitted to training about seventy percent for that Gustafson fight. And then when we saw a hundred percent laser focused John Jones, Gustafson didn't stand a chance. Not in that second fight. So I don't know. Like I said, I just think strike wise, Israel. I I think I don't want to say Israel earned his shot at John Jones. I just think that he deserves the opportunity to fight John Jones. That's, that's kind of where I'm getting at with it. I, I and, and I and I get it. So, but you're going against probably well, we, who we go who we go against the goat. You're going against somebody that we consider one of the best to ever do it. And at that, you're giving up twenty twenty five pounds. Yeah, yeah, about right. So he's gonna have to add on weight and learn to fight without weight. See if that adds to his power or not. Um, all right, let's get into it. Let's let's talk about this main event, man. This main. You want to get through it fast? I know what? you want to get through it fast. No, I don't want to get through it fast. I do one hundred percent. We're gonna talk about each one of this. Yes, okay. I am a Hawaiian fighter fan. Yes, I know what happened. Okay. Let's talk about this. Max Holloway versus Dustin Poirier. Obviously, I'm saying this in a bitterness, okay? Dustin won, all right? 49-46, 49-46, 49-46, okay? Yeah, it happened. But let's talk about this craziness for a second, right? In terms of total strikes, right? 208 out of 473 for Max Holloway. Uh, total strikes to uh, 180 of 383. Uh, significant strikes was... 181 of 446, uh, 178 for 381. Uh, Dustin Poirier did get one takedown, uh, one out of eight. And Max Holloway did have one submission attempt, which was in a fourth round. It was a nice-looking Darce choke, and I think had there been, like, you know, probably 10 seconds left, that that very well, that very well could have been the end of the fight. Uh, but let's go into it, man. Let's talk. So Dustin Poirier... Jesus, man. Like, at 145, he looked really, really thin, right? Now seeing him 10 pounds up, that dude looks massive as a 155-er. And you could definitely tell that Max Holloway wasn't... I don't want to say he wasn't ready for this fight, because he 100% was. It's just, he... I don't know if he was ready to handle the 10 extra pounds, because at 145, he's a monster. At 155, that 10 pounds makes a huge difference. And Dustin was just in the first round. God, man, he had Max all over the ring running. Because every time it looked like Dustin punched Max, Max was shaking. And it was so massive, the the big differences between in the weight class. Now, I will go out and say Max did land shots, too. Like, it wasn't that Dustin came in and just steamrolled him in the first round. Because there was a couple times where Max was landing a couple punches and it stunned uh, Dustin. But Dustin was so methodical in the way he was attacking in his first round. Just heavy bomb after heavy bomb after heavy bomb. And was was doing great damage. I mean, in the first round, he had swollen up uh, Maxwell's right eye, or Max's right eye. Um, and so he, you know, the eye was closing and Max just stood there, man. He was willing to fight and kept fighting, but he was still landing punches and he was to eating a lot of shots. Uh, but Max throws in volume. And I think that's the one thing that Dustin knew was that Max lacks, uh, 
kind of a one punch KO power. He he lands his in volume, so he's very much a blunt force trauma kind of guy, not a one punch artist, you know. And so that's what we saw in his first round was that it wasn't one punch that was putting Dustin in defense. It was the four or five hit combos where Dustin was hitting one punch and Max was getting put into the cage. And it looked like the fight probably could have been cut any time, but Max just kept throwing punches and refused to back away. So it was definitely huge to see in the first round. Anthony, I, I know you had this fight uh, 10-9 Dustin just like I did, but what did you feel about that first oh, round? I that's the, this, is the, this is the round that I called this 10-8. Because I felt like Max didn't or didn't do anything in this fight in the first round. Yeah, he everything everything he threw in that first round wasn't shaking up, wasn't wasn't shaking up uh, uh, Dustin. But everything Dustin threw, Dustin hurt him a lot. Dustin made him bleed easy. And this was the round that I was like, this is a 10-8 round because Dustin dominated from, from beginning to end with the, with with the first punch that stung him, that stung uh, Max. I was just like. All right, so Dustin just looks really good at 155. He looks healthy. He even he even told everybody that he had troubles losing that 10 extra pounds to get down to 155. Yeah, I'm just like, dude, you look so good. Yeah, there was no doubt in that in that that round. I could definitely see how you would have scored a 10-8. The funny thing was, is the second round I actually scored 10-8. Um, I was thinking about a possible 10-8 round because I felt like Max wasn't landing. A whole lot of punches like he was trying to he was striking but it was like oh god man uh dustin just was swarming him constantly and just landing heavier shots and heavier shots and heavier shots and i was like at some point man i thought max was gonna drop uh he kept getting backed into the cage it looked like he, his knee would buckle but he would just he would stand tall and he would keep you know keep trying to throw punches back um so i definitely felt like the second round if in any round could have been scored a 10-8, it would have been that round. Um, I, I, didn't see that. I didn't see that round as a 10-8 because for the first minute and a half, it was Max putting him against the cage, hitting him four or five times, getting out. And then all of a sudden, that one big shot shuck him, and then here comes Dustin. I, I've, I, when I messaged you, I was like, that might have went, went to Max on that one because then I had it. 1918 and you're like no it's 2018 and i started looking at that and i'm like no you're right i'll give that one to dustin because it's only a minute and a half that max really controlled that round so then i had it 2017 yeah see and then how i saw it too was i saw two 10-9 rounds going into the third which um at that point you could have and i and i brought it up man i really felt this way somewhere in that third round and I couldn't tell whether it was like a minute half into it or two minutes into the fight all of a sudden Dustin's power just faded because the same punches were being thrown but you could tell like the power wasn't behind him right so first round devastating shot to Max Max goes to the cage third round same style of punch right we're talking like hook like a overhand hook um comes flying in does it it lands but it's like Max shakes it off. And uh, it was like, oh, snap. And then Max started throwing punches back. You see Dustin kind of like start to fade a little bit. Max starts to swarm on. 
bring on more power, get keep keep pushing his tempo, and you kind of saw like Dustin was like, oh damn, bap bap bap, damn bap bap bap, you know, eight nine eight eight nine, you know, here's 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 a hit combo two. A double up on a jab, another three, four, five hit combo, and you're just like, damn, dude, like Max is coming along. Maybe this is where Max takes over this fight. So I gave that fight, that round to Max, and called it uh, 10-9 Max. So at that point, I had it 28-29 uh, Dustin. Then going into that fourth round, um, actually, so how, how did you score that fight that round? On that on the third round, I had that one 10-9 max. So I had it 29-27 going into the fourth round. Then getting into the fourth round, um, Max came out. I felt like he still had the same flurries, right? But then, like, Dustin's second win finally kicked in, and he just slowly started coming back over and taking over the fight once again. So he started landing more shots. Max was starting to back up. But I felt like the power continued to fade. Like, even though the second win came through, his power was fading faster. So, Dustin was still trying to throw punches, but he was just staying active. Um, He did, right towards the end, I think that's where he scored his takedown. And once he scored the takedown, Max was actually looking for a choke, which he did get the Darsh choke. 100% was tightened down, just that there was... Five seconds left in the round, and Dustin just held out. And he knew all he had to do was hold on for the four to five seconds because I know Julie said it too. Julie was like, wow, like just five seconds left, and I'm pretty sure Dustin would have tapped. Um, I would have given it 10 more seconds, and Dustin would have tapped. But, yeah, so, you know, Max slips in this, the Darce choke right towards the end, but I definitely still gave the round to uh, Dustin, even though I – I know the submission attempt should have been something. It kind of came at the last last minute. Um, and him and Dustin were talking about that choke right towards the end um, before they went to their corners. So I definitely scored that uh, 10-9 to, um, to Dustin for it, which then would that put 39-27? Is that right? Or 30? I don't know. I had it. I didn't really know what to do with the fourth. I, I could have gave it to Max. And I was really thinking about maybe Max did take that that fourth round, and I'm like, what's gonna happen in that fifth round? The fifth round is a decider. The fifth round, you, I felt like it was gonna be the winner of that round is gonna take the fight, and uh, well, the judges gave them him Poirier that fight that round. Yeah, getting to that fifth round too, man. Like you could tell, obviously both fighters were exhausted or they were tired. Uh, Max. Still kept at it. By the way, round four, that was the round that the knee came in. Uh, Dustin threw this massive knee, caught the corner of the inside corner of Max's eye, split him open, and he was just gushing blood. Um, but Max never backed away. Get into the fifth round, uh, cut gets reopened, and Max continues to fight. He's got like this bloody mask on and he just keeps battling through it. Um, keeps pushing the tempo and you know, ultimately, uh, as the fight kept wearing on, Dustin kept landing more and more shots. Uh, you know, Max battling through, battling through, battling through, uh, kept throwing punches just as well. But 
you know, ultimately I felt the fight went four, you know, four rounds to Dustin to the one for Max. Um, and, you know, judges agreed. It was 49-46, um, all three rounds to to Max. Now, I do have to caveat. I definitely thought there could have been there could have been a couple of rounds. I agree with you that Max could have won, um, but it wouldn't have changed the outcome of the fight. I just felt Dustin won this fight clear, um, and I it's hard for me to say that because I'm such a fan of Max Holloway and most fighters who come out of Hawaii. It was I was just like you know, you know his 13 fight win streak did get broken, but it's okay because Dustin. Oh my God! If you're gonna lose your fight to somebody, then Dustin's the guy you're gonna end up losing that fight to. It, here's the thing with this as well is is we knew Max's conditioning. We knew Max could throw, and he throws in hundreds and hundreds of. He threw almost 500. He threw 473 uh, uh, punches, strikes. Um, Dustin threw 383. So now we know that Dustin has a bit of cardio, and like. Like I will, nobody can question Dustin's cardio or his heart. Did you, did you, were you watching when they're getting ready to announce like Dustin, you could see it in his eyes. If, if, if he doesn't win that, 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 that that title, he's crying Yeah, because he's like, well, my belt, I want my belt. That belt is mine. I want my belt. Even, even when they called him winner, he's like, I got my belt. I got my belt. Yeah. What I'm tested. For um, pads, just gonna put it out there. There's a <laughs> Dustin is a clean fighter, and 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 I know that we we can't say that right now. Like like we we would know that Dust is a clean fighter, but with everything that's going on right now with TJ, we thought the same thing with TJ. But I just Dustin Poirier has always been that guy that is emotional. He, even even like, and he's been he's been the guy that that has such a big heart. Like when Eddie Alvarez illegally kicked him or need him and he couldn't go on. He was just like, it happens. Like he wasn't mad about it. He said he came back and kicked the shit out of Eddie. Um, he has so much heart. I, th- this does not take any way, anything away from the Hawaiian pride to Hawaiian heart because Max Blast Holloway is a fucking king. He's a beast. I my hat is always tipped off to him. And he took the, he took this he took the uh, the loss with with such pride. That's the word that I'm on. I really the pride of Hawaii. I just crazy respect for that dude. It was Dustin wanted that title. He he been doing this enough, and he's like, I'm not gonna walk away with this without this title. And that's what happened today. It's just something to say though, man. Is that if you weren't a fan of Max Holloway prior to the Dustin Poirier fight. You're a fan of Max Holloway now because not only can the dude deliver ass beatings, he'll take an ass beating, but then he has such pride about like what happens, you know, like win, lose or draw. Max Holloway doesn't change who he is. It's, It's the blessed era all the time. And it very much showed last night when he lost to Dustin, he didn't go around like, all right, we need to run it back. We need to have this fight again. We need to do this or, you know. It's 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 just business. No, he was just like no, like I'm I'm a champ still. Like I'm very humbled. You know, I'm definitely glad that Dustin wins. He's a champ. Like I don't let him know. Like that's the thing I love about Max Holloway. And usually, <laughs> I don't want to say it happens all the time, 
usually most fighters that come out of Hawaii are the same way. We do have a couple. There are a couple assholes that come out of there, right? But for the most part, when you talk about, like, fighters from Hawaii, obviously a lot of people know BJ. BJ always is very, you know, he's hanging on to life threads right now. Travis Brown, uh, when he was fighting and he was on, you know, a part of a different team and not Edmund team, he was very humble. Um, but then you look at people like Kendall Grove, you look at people like Chris Lieben, you look at people like, obviously, Max Holloway, and all these guys continually win, lose, or draw. They, they're here. And they have such pride. We talk about, like, you know, it was something that Israel Adesanya said, too, in his fight after he beat Kevin Gaslam was like, hey, man, he's Mexicano, and he's got that pride, and you've got to love that pride. He's never going to go down. It's the same exact thing with the boys from the island. And they just have this pride where they're like, we are never going down because we are constant warriors. But they are humble at what they do too. Not saying that Kevin Gaslam is the humble. Just saying that Max Holloway clearly showed who he was last night in that defeat. Even 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 after the like, right after the fight, Max held Dustin's arm up like Max knew. And here's the thing. A lot of people could say things about Max Holloway. Max Holloway's cocky in, in the ring. He is. He definitely is cocky because he's good. And he knows it. But he is so fucking humble, too. I, hands down, got mad respect for Max. But you can say the same thing with Dustin. Nobody had the respect for Dustin. Nobody had Dustin win this fight. Nobody had... He said that he had a chance with this against this. Even yourself, you got to... Even you, Cliff, you got to be able to say... Dude, the dude has cardio, the dude has heart, the dude has strength, the dude has everything he needs to be a champ. And he is fucking humble as fuck. Yes, his emotions yesterday were, were last night were, were outside the box. But he's been doing this so long. He's never been one of those controversy fighters. He's always just been like, let's go, let's brawl. And, I'm gonna sh- I, and then look what happens. He finally gets his title. And then he calls out DC because DC's from the same city, Lafayette, Louisiana, two champions there, and put the words, put DC's words at Khabib was, get your shit together, kid. We got a we got a title to fight for. Yeah, so I'm hyped. I I can't wait to see uh, that fight get put together because I definitely think that should you know Khabib and Dustin should be the next fight. And you're right, Dustin is very very humble. He is from my second favorite football town <laughs> uh louisiana lafayette uh home of the raging cajuns woo, woo. um but uh yeah I, I, I get props man like he's very humble he's got a lot of great cardio his wrestling's on point his striking's on point so i yeah i i can't even argue that man like i definitely i'm very very happy to see him be a champion i know it's it's crazy to think that two of the champions are from louisiana lafayette and that um, you know, you have uh, Usman and Israel Adesanya, both also uh, from the same country as well, being champs. It's just it's wild to see like the shift in landscape with champions, right? So we used to always talk about it's probably Brazil, it's probably America, like the U.S., and it's probably. You know, we don't even talk about Japanese fighters getting real belts, man. They're either from Brazil or they're from the U.S. And to see the, sh- the, the shift 
a little bit into like different areas. It's just really, it's really cool to see. I'm not going to lie. I'm definitely, it's definitely a lot of fun watching other champions from other nations win belts in, in the UFC. I, I just, I'm just mind, I'm still mind blown from, from the, the second round, from the second round of the Eric Anders, uh, Khalil Ranch Roundtree fight card. Mind blown. Just what in the world, dude? That card put on probably one of the greatest shows that we've seen from the other card. Just holy smokes. Like you got two fight of fight of the year candidates. Uh they're in the in the in the co main event and the main event. You have Probably a performance of the performance that could be a performance of the night with Khalil Ranchry, just knowing that he he dominated that fight. Um, how that card was so freaking awesome! I am so glad that I got to watch that card. Yep, I have to agree, man. So, with that being said, we do have a couple of fights that are going to be coming up here soon. We'll cover those fights um, as they come along. Uh, it's just Alistair Overeem will be back in Octagon, so we're definitely going to be hyped to see him. Um, couple weeks we do have uh aliquinta versus uh cowboy cerrone which is gonna be one of those fights i cannot wait to hear you and julie talk about she's a huge aliquinta fan obviously you're a huge cowboy fan i can't wait to hear the trash talk begin between you two it's gonna be so much fun to see <laughs> and when julie when you, when you listen to this podcast because you didn't make it on we miss you but be prepared for that, for that, for that argument. <laughs> yeah, be prepared, I Julie. I can't wait. Ah, yeah. All right. With that being said, though, Anthony, go ahead and give out your Lincoln Love, man. Oh, my Lincoln Love. Hey, Lincoln Love right now, we just got to watch the uh, red-white game. We're excited about Husker football coming back with Scott Frost. Uh, Nebraska basketball hires Frank Hoiberg. If you don't know who Frank Hoiberg is, he led a no-named Iowa State team to a few uh, tournaments. He also coached a horrible Bulls team who nobody's going to save. Um, and he's from Lincoln, Nebraska, so he gets a coach in his hometown, his hometown for his home state. Um, he brought back Doc Sadler, who's from here. You know what? Just Husker, Husker sports. That's what it is today, this week, because – Baseball team looks good. We always have a great volleyball team. Our basketball program finally has a coach that's going to give a fuck and not say, oh, we tried. Here's some sprinkles like we did with a football coach prior to uh, to Scott Frost. We're not going to mention his name because uh, he's out there riling around somewhere else. Um, so just a Husker sports. I'm excited. Even Husker baseball this year, they're looking really good. Darren Ernst, Ernstant got a Really, really uh, good team this year, and I'm excited to see what they're going to do in the Big Ten. Uh, that's my Lincoln love. I we there's so much going on in my life. Moving again to a bigger place, getting ready for the baby. I just I, I got to stay humble. I got to stay humble to Husker sports because I love them. Cliff loves them. A lot of our listeners are out of the Lincoln area. Love them. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. I think about it all the time too, like. I'm up here in, in Maryland, and Nebraska is coming up here uh, November 21st, I believe it is, 22nd, to play Maryland. And uh, I'm just getting people ready. People are getting – I'm sure people are annoyed with me because I'm just like, 
y'all don't even know what's going to happen when Nebraska comes up here. Like, the ass whooping is going to be fierce. <laughs> and I just, I keep talking trash because I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for Nebraska football to start back up again. You're right, the baseball team is doing well. Um, so yeah, definitely huge, huge shout outs to those guys. So with that being said, um, Anthony, give them out your handles, man, where they can find you. All right. So then right out to my Lincoln love, I got to say this. Hey, 22 veterans die a year, every, every day from suicides, from the stuff that, the stuff that we've seen that we bring home, we can't handle. It's starting to go down, but I will never, ever, ever forget the number 22, um, with that being said, if you want to reach out to me, if you want to follow me, let's do it. There is a Luhan1985, my Snapchat, a Luhan1985. My Instagram is AnthonyLuhan1985. Follow me, I'll follow you. Let's some 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 crazy stuff. 22, baby. Yeah, no doubt, man. Uh big ups. Um, you know, we love you guys, military. Uh, veterans, obviously, you know, Anthony, myself are veterans. Uh, so whether you're a home front, you're overseas, man, you need someone to talk to, man, just reach out. We're going to definitely, uh, you know, feel where you guys are coming from. We can empathize with you. Um, but if you guys want to try to reach out to me, you guys can find me uh, pretty much on all platforms now at CM underscore Miller 85. So Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, even PlayStation 4, if you guys are trying to trying to at me on there. Um so you guys look for me there. Um, you guys can also find me here on Franken Culture, attached to Frankensteiner, uh, Get the KO, as well as Nerds of the Roundtable. Which also uh, want to drop this in here again. We are having a um, here in the future. We are starting a, another podcast. Um, it we haven't really decided on a full title of it. Just kind of idea behind it though is that it's going to be revolving around kind of like parents' life experiences. Uh, we're hoping to get like other parents. Um, obviously we want to get all walks of life. So not just like, you know, not just the same typical parents. It'll be, you know, new parents, old parents, um, adopted parents. Um, so it'll be kind of like the parent life. So for those of you who never read the book, uh, what to expect when expecting. Awesome. Join in this podcast, talk with us and we can talk about your experiences here. Um, with that, also check out the great articles that are a part of Franken culture. Uh, I know I've put up probably like I just got a, a notification to put up 20, which is ridiculous to me. Uh, so go check those out, guys, man. There's a lot of great stuff on the on articles. And um, go ahead, Anthony. Let them know. It's home by. Hey, too. And as always, good fight and good night.